Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Well, I've made enough bad decisions in life that I know it's a really bad idea to make bad decisions. Um, some of those decisions are kind of funny in hindsight, like the time that and I don't understand, I, I know better, but like the time that I, you know, checked and said, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, I need to, to put some more fluid in the radiator. And so I went to the overflow reservoir. No, no, back up, back up. I just told the story wrong. Back up. I couldn't get any uh, wiper fluid out of the wiper fluid reservoir. It wasn't coming. So I, I uh, open up the hood and, and I look and so I... I get the gallon of the wiper fluid and I pour it in and it still won't work. And the reason it wouldn't work is because I poured it in the overflow reservoir for the radiator. A gallon. Well, got the oil changed very quickly and the radiator fluid very cheap. But anyway, the point is it, it, I ended up surviving that. But yeah, so those kinds of decisions, bad decisions, it, it could have been a lot worse, right? Could have been. Uh, but then there's the decisions I've made in life where, you know, I've responded to somebody in a certain way, someone I care about, you know, and, but respond in a selfish way and then immediately see the hurt and the injury. And, and so, you know, the bad decisions that I've made in life, it just... It's actually affected how I feel about making decisions. Sometimes there's a fear of making decisions, you know. Uh, am I going to make the right one? So there's a tendency to put off decisions, which ultimately ends up being a decision. Um, but decisions really matter. And so the, it's the bad decisions that we end up feeling regret over. Uh, the good decisions that we make that bring a sense of satisfaction and and. And this has been good, a good result, and, you know, we're pleased in that. But we, we begin to realize that our decisions, in fact, our whole life, we realize that our lives are the accumulation of the decisions we've made. Do you realize that? Where you are today is largely the result of decisions that you have made. Now, things come into our lives that are not our choosing but we then make a decision about how to respond to those things. And so where we're at in life today is largely this compilation of all these decisions in our lives. Now, in one sense, we can feel discouraged about that, can't we? Because here I am and all those decisions, all the years, maybe I've you know, wasted, made bad choices, whatever. But we can also be very encouraged by this because that means that the rest of my life I can impact today by the decisions that I make. The decisions I make today now will begin to shape what my life is in the future and what I experience. Now, young people, those of you, you know, the younger ones among us, let me encourage you. you you've made decisions in your life that are a lot about where you're at today, but you have so much life left to make good decisions in. You have so much life left, and you, you make a good decision, you sow good seed. And when you sow good seed, good crops come in. So you can make good decisions now that are going to bring you to where you really need to be and want to be in life. 
Because our lives, like I said, are just this, ultimately this compilation of our decisions. Have you ever really made a bad decision? Sometimes they're very clear in our minds, other times we, we can't really think of them because we don't want to. We've kind of pushed that away somewhere, that decision. But yeah, we've all made bad decisions. Have you ever put off a decision because you were uncertain about what decision to make? Well, how in the world can you be sure you're making the best decision? I mean, all of us, we we need to know this. How can we be sure we are making the best decision? Well, there is a decision that needs to be made and actually will be made, has been made, that is going to govern your ability to make any other good decision. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. The most important decision that you will ever make in life is whether or not to let Jesus be your Lord. The most important decision, whether or not you will let Jesus be your Lord. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We come down to the very end of our time in the Sermon on the Mount in the summer. So many big things that Jesus has said and so many important things that he said as we try to sort through it and, and, and say, wow, if I'm going to live seriously for Christ, I have to live the Jesus way. <clears throat> Let's say our memory verse together if we can. Why don't you put it on the screen there? It should be there at the top of that. You see it there, John? If you want to go to the, the, the uh, memory verse, it's up there at the top. Should be slide like number two. There you go. So let's, let's read this together here. God is speaking and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And, and so we're talking about all through the Sermon on the Mount that Understand this is true because what he tells in the Sermon on the Mount, most of it does not come naturally to us. But it is Jesus' way. And so let's, let's say what we've learned about Jesus' way. Jesus' way is the only way to live God's way, which is the best way. It's not naturally my way, but I choose today to exchange my way for Jesus' way. You know, I, I don't you know, believe in, you know, formulas for the Christian life, do this and that and the other thing, but I'm just telling you, if, if you and I would have that concept that we just spoke there every day, start every day, today I choose, right? Jesus' way. Make a huge difference. And, and so this is why we're, why we're talking about that the most important decision you'll ever make is whether or not you let Jesus be Lord in your life. And Jesus speaks to this here in, in summary to all that we've looked at all summer. And let's start in verse number 21 of chapter 7, page 1118 in the Bible that's in the pew there. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, now let's just dig down here just a little bit and make sure we understand and don't misunderstand what he's saying. On the face of it there in verse 21, it sounds like we have to live a certain way to be saved, doesn't it? That's the way it sounds. The only ones who go into heaven are those who have what? Done my will. Well, what is his will that we must do? In, in, in John chapter 6, Jesus has fed the multitudes and, and they're all excited about that and they're following him and he says something. They say, well, what do, what do we have to do? What, what works are we supposed to do? And he says that this is the work which you're supposed to do, believe in me. Trust in me. And the whole rest of Scripture, we get that. We believe and we trust him as Savior. We throw our lot on him because we can't save ourselves, right? We can't. We are are undone when it comes to trying to get it right before God. We've already blown it. And so what he's saying here is that if we come to God trying to bring anything else, he's going to say, depart from me, I didn't know you. And that's exactly what these people did. See, they had not uh, humbled themselves before him. They had not received him as Savior. They had not done the the will of God with respect to that relationship. They didn't start by trusting Christ. What are they coming to God and saying? Well, we've done this, and we've done that, and we bring you all these things that we have done in your name. but they hadn't started where Jesus said they had to start. See, this is an issue of lordship. Since Jesus is Lord, that means he gets to make the decisions. Does that make sense? The one who is Lord gets to decide. And the one who is Lord has decided that the way, only way we have a relationship with him is by to accept his son as Savior, to receive the gift of eternal life. That's the only way. It doesn't matter if you say Lord, it doesn't matter if you do it in his name and all this kind of stuff. If you're doing your own thing, trying to get to heaven any other way, not going to work. It's just not going to work. And that's what he says, you who work lawlessness, you are doing your own thing, you weren't doing my thing. So let's continue here, verse 24. Therefore, because of that, whoever hears these sayings of mine, this is all that he's been talking about, all we've looked at all summer, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And not did only just fall, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And he taught them as one having authority because he was the Lord who had that authority and spoke those words to him. And so we can see as we read this passage that the most important decision you will ever make in life is whether or not you let Jesus be your Lord. Now, now why is that so? 
Why is it the most important decision? Well, it's the most important decision because it's going to determine some things. First of all, it's going to determine whether or not you end up in heaven or in hell. All right? Now, once again, I don't want you to get confused here. We aren't talking about, oh, I have to say this word. Okay, I accept you as Lord. I thought I accepted you as Savior. But I said, you don't have to worry about that. What we're talking about is since he's Lord, he has determined how we get saved. Okay, he's the one. He's determined how we get saved. And so we either surrender to that and get saved his way or we stay unsaved any other way. That's the choice. And so whether or not we let Jesus be Lord in our lives, we'll determine whether or not we end up in heaven or in hell. And, and he has already provided everything that we need. I mean, he says, the Bible clear, we've all sinned, right? We've all messed up. Repeatedly. And if we want to try to compare ourselves with other people, we can probably find somebody that we are better than. But God's not comparing us to other people. He's comparing us to what he said in his word and to himself. And none of us measure up. We all come up short on that one. And because of that, we are guilty before God. We are separated from him. If we die in that condition, we will stay in that condition in hell forever. But God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world, lives this perfect, sinless life. He dies on the cross. And as he dies on the cross, voluntarily, he didn't have to. He could have said no. As he dies on the cross, he takes the penalty for my sins. Every one of them. Ever have committed, ever will commit. The penalty for every one of your sins. Penalty for the sins of the whole world. Died there and he paid that penalty. Rose again from the dead three days later. And the Lord says, if you'll acknowledge that you have sinned against me and are separated from me and you need a savior, if you will believe that I died for your sins and rose again and received me as savior, I'll forgive every sin. You'll have eternal life. And I'm gonna come and live inside of you and begin changing things for good. That's what the Lord says. And it's interesting, we, we have to come to grips with that he's the one who gets to decide. In, in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, when it tells us about how we be saved, he says, he starts off, Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and then you believe and receive, you'll be saved. But get this, you cannot be saved if you say, okay, I want the forgiveness of sin and I want uh, heaven, and, but take a hike, Jesus, no, no Lord. <laughs> you aren't in a place where you can be saved because you haven't got it yet. Do you understand? So it does come down to re, uh, him being Lord in your life so that you can be saved. And, and so you can see why it's, it's one of the most important decisions you'll ever make is to yield to God. Yield to God and, and, and receive Christ as Savior. Another thing that this will determine, as we see from our passage here, your decision about whether or not Jesus will be your Lord will determine whether you will be able to withstand the inevitable storms of life that come or you instead will be irreparably damaged and possibly even wiped out by them. Great was that fall. You're going to face storms in life, right? Anybody ever face a storm? So those of us who have faced a storm, we would say to those who say, well, I haven't really faced any storms like that. You're going to. They're coming. Some of them aren't real big. Some of them are huge. 
And some of them will be more than you can handle. You can be assured of it. That's what happens in a sin-cursed world. Storms come against us like that. And so whether or not you're letting Jesus be your Lord will determine the outcome. Look back in our passage there, right? Verses 24 and 25. You know, if, if you build your life on the fact that Jesus is Lord and I start there, you're building on a rock. Okay, a solid foundation that will not be moved by the storms of life. But if you build your life on anything else that besides Jesus being Lord, if that's not your starting place, you're building on sand. And when the storms come, you're not going to make it. Oh, you might come out the other end of the storm, but not the way you want. Two totally different kinds of outcomes here. The storms of life hit us. It can be the doctor saying, you have cancer. It can be a husband or wife saying, I'm leaving you. Uh, storms of life. It can be uh, having a child who rebels and goes against God, and, and now you're having to figure out how to deal with it. It can be a total financial collapse, that kind of storm. Other relational issues. Uh, sometimes just even trying to figure out where you're at in life, where you're going, and, and it washes over and you, and you don't know how to respond. They're coming. But so you've got a choice. If you, you, you surrender that, yes, Jesus is Lord, you're building your life on a solid foundation that can withstand those storms. If you're building your life on anything else, it's sand. And so it is the most important decision you will ever make. Which decision will you make? Will you let Jesus be Lord or not? And as you make this decision, let me encourage you to make the right decision. Because just as the, the you know, whether or not to, to uh, let Jesus be your Lord is the most important decision, understand this, that the wisest decision, the wisest decision you can make in life is to let Jesus be your Lord. That is the absolute wisest decision you could ever make. And, and understand this, as you consider your decision, I want to just clarify something for you. Because I'm talking about let Jesus be your Lord, right? You need to decide to let Jesus be your Lord. Well, here's the reality. The reality is he is already Lord. He is Lord over all. He is Lord of lords. There's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So he is Lord. And if you think you can live otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. And you'll experience the consequences of it. So when I say let Jesus be your Lord, what I mean is for you to actually acknowledge it and then live like it. All right? So the, that's, that's right there. The wisest thing you could ever do would be to acknowledge what's really true and live accordingly. He already is Lord over all. But the interesting thing is he doesn't force you to acknowledge it. He lets you choose. Now, how do you let him be Lord? Then, Well, you let him be Lord by living by his will as he reveals it in his word. Because that's what the Lord tells you to do. Let's look here. We kind of see a working definition of it in verse 24. What's it mean to let him be Lord in our lives? Verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, okay, so what God has said, 
and what? What's it say? Does them. All right? In other words, you, you're listening for God. You're, you're letting him teach you. You're, you're looking to his word. You're actively seeking to know what he says. And then you apply it to your life. That's how we let him be Lord. And it is the wisest decision because when you let Jesus be the Lord of your life, your eternal destiny is heaven, not hell. When you let Jesus be your Lord, can I just encourage you today, if you're here today, and maybe you've been around for a while, maybe it's your first time here, but it, don't mess around on that decision. Stop messing around with that decision. Just, you need to surrender to the Lord and, and receive Christ as Savior. And you do that, you just say to him, God, I'm, I'm a mess, I'm lost, I messed up, I believe Jesus died for me. Right now, I receive him as Savior. I know he's Lord, I receive him as Savior. It's the wisest decision you'll ever make. It's the wisest decision because, not only because of heaven, because not only will you be able to weather the storms of life, you will end up better because of them. Now that's a big difference from being destroyed by them. See, this is the way God works in our lives. When you face the storms of life, not only will they not overcome you, when you're letting Jesus be your Lord and you're surrendering to him and working on it, you come out better for it. I mean, I've, I've faced some huge storms in my life and they aren't always things that I can share openly with you. I might be able to share some of those in private conversation with you. But some huge storms in life, and, and my wife and I have gone through some of those together, and we say to you, some of you have heard me say it, we would never want to go through those storms ever again. They were so hurtful. They were so long. They were so dark. They were so heavy. But Jesus was there. And we would never want to give up what we learned and gained as a result of that storm. It's emotional still today. But uh, he changed me. In good ways, ways that you guys get to enjoy sometimes. He changed me. And see, that's why when, when we uh, do yield to him, say, okay, Jesus, you are Lord, and I'm going to live my life the best way I know how to, to let you be Lord, and, and we try to live by his word, and the storms come, we are not destroyed. We've built our house, our life's house on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And not only do we come out the other side, we come out better. And if your storm is cancer and it takes your life, you come out better. And the reason this is true is because when you let Jesus be Lord, you do what he says and you do it before the storm you do what he says, you do what he says during the storm, and you do what he says after the storms, you live by God's word. And so you face the storm under his direction. Under his direction. Now what difference does this make? Well, one of the things that you're going to discover is you go through a storm with Jesus, Lord, he's going to show you to do some things that you're going to go, wait a minute. <laughs> That doesn't seem right. That, that doesn't seem, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. I can't do that, I don't know. But you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've settled this issue 
Jesus is Lord. Okay. We go do what he says. Let me tell you, my father, when he, uh, one of the things he did in his career at TWA, he worked on a problem related to wind shear. Now, I don't know if you know what wind shear is as it relates to aircraft, I mean, you know, the commercial aircraft, or any aircraft for that matter, but airplanes typically try to take off into the wind as much as they can. That's why they have different runways, and they try to take off into the wind because that helps with the lift, right? You get up faster and go. Well, what happens is they're going up. Sometimes, all of a sudden, the wind shear, the wind will change direction, like close to a thunderstorm. It changed direction. When it changed direction, sometimes it blows down. And planes crash. This is what happens. They crash, people die. And so he worked on this problem. And, and here's the deal. What came natural to every pilot, what they had been taught their whole career, is that when the stall warning goes on, because that's what happens, all of a sudden there's not airspeed and the, the plane can't fly, the stall warning goes off. And procedure for stall warning is to push the yoke forward so the nose can come down so you can gain speed, regain airspeed, and fly. But that doesn't work when you're 300 feet above the ground, 500 feet above the ground, even 1,000, that doesn't work because you don't have time. And this is what happened. They would push the nose down and the plane crashes because they say you can't fly when it's stall warning. So my dad and others talked about this and worked on it and developed the technique that they said, no, when the stall warning now goes off, you ignore the stall warning, you pull back harder, and you put the throttle to the max and hope you fly out of it. But the reality is that they have documented cases of planes, that, of pilots that did that, and the plane somehow flew out of it. And what I'm saying to you is when you face the storms of life, and that all your natural warning bells go off, you can't deal with this, you can't do that. You need to say, no, my Lord has said, and I'm going to do it. And that's how you come out the other end of this storm, not wiped out. That's how you come out of the storm in a better place. You've learned to know God in a way you never knew him before. You have discovered that his word is true in ways that you never understood it before. You see, his word, God's word, always provides the most accurate assessment of your circumstances. It always does. His word always works. In other words, when we live by it, it puts us in a position for God to work freely and even if necessary, miraculously in our lives. When we live by his word, it produces a sense of hope in us and, and increases our faith. And when we live by his word, it accomplishes its good purpose in our lives and brings us eternal rewards in heaven. Well, how in the world do we live this way, though? How, how do you do it? How do I do it? Well, September 2nd of this year, last Tuesday, was Glenda's and my 36th wedding anniversary. And on that day, in essence, we surrendered to one another, right? I surrendered my individual wills and desires for her well-being, and she surrendered the same. September the 2nd is also interesting. It's the date when Japan surrendered to the United States in World War II. And the terms of that surrender, it, they were unconditional. Unconditional surrender. What's that mean? 
That means we surrender without putting any conditions on it. I'll surrender to you, Lord, but not this. Or I'll surrender, you know, but not that way. And so what you understand, how do we do this? Well, the choice to let Jesus be Lord is a choice to surrender completely to him. It is an unconditional surrender. A partial surrender won't cut it. I mean, I, I envision a partial surrender like going skydiving. And you say, okay, I'll wear the parachute, but I won't pull the ripcord. That's what a partial surrender to God is like. It doesn't work. It might feel good for about a minute. <laughs> Unconditional surrender. Full, complete surrender. And it means these things. It means you, you say to God, you say, you are Lord of all those things in my life that I really don't feel like letting go of. But you are Lord of those things. The things I know about and struggle to let go of and the things I don't even know about yet that I'm going to struggle with. I've already settled it. You are Lord. And because you are Lord, I entrust you with my reputation. My reputation is yours, Lord. Do with it as you please. I, I entrust you with my relationships. Here's what I want in them, but... I entrust them to you. I entrust my emotions to you. I trust my health to you. All these things I want you to be Lord of my life in. I trust my fill in the blank for you. I entrust my life to you. I surrender my heart to you, Lord, to do with me as you please, knowing that your ways will always lead me not just to a better place, but to the best place. And you don't have to know all how it's going to turn out. You don't have to be able to understand all of it ahead of time because you're surrendering your heart now for whatever happens. I've shared with you in the past, but let me share it again. I remember... God very much working in my life as a young man while I was attending the University of Missouri and I was living at home um, the last part of my college years and, and I, we lived at a lake and I'd get up in the morning and read my Bible and talk with God and look out over the lake. I've been hanging around with Dave Langren too long. Um, but I remember there just very clearly, I, can st I mean, it's, it's clear as day in my mind when God really brought me to this place, his lordship. And, and I remember very clearly saying, okay, I don't know if I get it in exact disorder, but I said, okay, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, whenever you want me to do it, wherever, however, whatever it means. You know? I give it up. I surrender. And uh, I've never regretted that decision. Never once regretted that decision. It's, it's been the glory of my life to be able to walk with the Lord and the foolishness of my life when along the way I don't, didn't live out that commitment. But such a blessing to know him and to walk with him and be surrendered to him. 
And so we need to then say to the Lord, you are Lord of my life and all those things that I am afraid of and don't want to think about. You are Lord. And I certainly don't want to go there, but I surrender to you and all of those things. I surrender to you to go there with you. I will face whatever needs to be faced with you. You know, Jesus said that all his work in the world would be done through people who know who he really was. People who knew who he really was that, that, and who know who he really is. Those are the ones who will do his work in the world. In other words, that he really is Lord. People who live out the truth that he is Lord, that's who he's going to do his work in the world through. And when Peter recognized who Jesus really was and, and was challenged to summarize that, he said, uh, you know, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. And, and he didn't say the word, but the whole idea is you are the Lord. You are Lord over all. You are who you say you are. And Jesus responded and said, on this rock, on this truth of who I am, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so here's the, the, the challenge for, I mean, the encouragement, I think, encouraging challenge for each of us, and that's that Satan hates me. He hates you. He's already worked in your life to create all sorts of struggles with sin and past. It's already been there, and, and he's going to try to use that against you in the future. But here's the deal. If you will surrender and say, Jesus you are Lord, I am going to do my best to live like your Lord. Satan's done. You understand that? He doesn't have the say anymore. When Jesus is Lord, the gates of hell will not prevail against what he's doing. If we let Jesus be the Lord of our church, and really be the Lord of our church. There are no limits to what he can do through us. No limits at all. And we will be following him faithfully, doing whatever he leads us to do. And when we do that, he will do all the things that are out of our power to accomplish, the kinds of things that only he can do. He'll do those things because we're yielded to him. He's Lord and we're walking with him. There's no stopping a church like that. But that starts with me with me making the wisest decision I could ever make to let Jesus be the, the Lord of my life. And it starts with you making the wisest decision you could ever make to let Jesus be the Lord of your life. I say, let's do it. But you have to decide, what do you say? Let's pray. Father, I come to you now and thank you that you work in our lives, that you speak to us through your word. I thank you, Father, for the joy of knowing and, and, and surrendering to the fact that your son is Lord. And I know, Lord, many of us here, have, we struggle sometimes day and day to, how to live that out, but Lord, the desire of our hearts is to let you be Lord. So we pray you continue working in our lives as you've promised to do. Be Lord. Lead us. We'll follow. 
I pray this in Jesus' name.